So tonight, okay, we've been in this series called Haunted. Um, and we've been talking about these different questions that could, could be intellectual, that could keep us up at night, that could cause us to, to lose sleep, because maybe we've been given answers that aren't super awesome, um, or there aren't answers that, um, that are easily accessible to us. And so tonight, tonight we're talking about... Um, a question that honestly freaks me out and a question that has kept me up at night often. But the question is, um, what happens after we die? Um, now, you might not think about this a lot, and you might be like, I shouldn't have come tonight because this is like a total bummer. Um, but this is a question that the modern mind tries to avoid. And we try to put plastic surgery on it. And we try to work out and eat kale enough to ignore this. But the reality is that it's coming for all of us. The death is coming for every single one of us. And so tonight, you might feel like, because often as teenagers, we just feel like um, that, that, that nothing, like we're impervious to mortality. Um, but the reality is this is coming for us. And so what do we do with these questions? Um, and so to start, there's just like a metaphor I was thinking about. And if I were to um, take you to Mars right now, and you were to um, get out of your Mar Martian spaceship, actually just be a normal spaceship on Mars. Is that a Martian spaceship? Maybe. So you get out of your spaceship, and if you were to open up um, your, your, like, your, your, um, your astronaut mask, which is called? A helmet. a helmet. There we go. Thank you. You were to open up your helmet, um, and you were to breathe in the Martian air, what would happen? You would die. Why would you die? because there's 6% oxygen on Mars. Mars has less oxygen um, per air particle than the Earth does. And so you open up your mask, and immediately your body feels alienation. Like you feel like you're an alien. You feel like you don't belong. Y your body recognizes that it wasn't created. Your, your faculties, your body was not created to handle the Martian atmosphere. You weren't. Sorry. I don't care how many time, times you try to hold your breath underwater. You just can't do it. Um, and in that moment, when you're <gasps> trying to breathe, <laughs> your body is longing for what? Oxygen. It's longing for Earth. It's longing for home. So there's something about being on Mars where you, you, like the astronaut longs for home. And th there's something about the way that our body reacts in that moment that we would say, this is not where we belong. We don't belong here. Our body was created for Earth. <laughs> But here's the thing. You could fly back as your little astronaut um, self in your little suit, in your little astronaut plane, and you could get back to Earth. And you could open up the astronaut ship. I did not look up all this vocabulary before. Uh, and you could walk out of your ship. And here's the thing. Listen to this. Because this, 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 is, this is huge. In, in about 30 or 40 years, maybe 50, maybe 60 if you're lucky, what's going to happen? The same thing. Your body is going to start to decay. It's start to collapse. And you're going to start to die. All right? So I don't care if you didn't die on Mars in that second. Eventually, you will die. And here's the deal. Your body breaking down and your body decaying, it also is a symptom that your body was not created for this world. It was created for something more. The way your body was created, this atmosphere isn't good enough to sustain you and keep you alive because you were created to live forever. Turn to someone and say, you were created to live forever. All right? So 
That is the original intention. So, back in the Garden of Eden, when, you, when, when God created humans, when he created Adam and Eve, there was no sin and disease. So if there's no sin, if there's no disease, if there's no breakdown of the DNA, if there's none of that, there's no death. So God created you to live forever. God created you to live forever. Um, and, and so there's just this sense that a lot of us feel this. When there are people close to us who, who die or when we, when we get near to death uh, or when we start to talk about it, there's this sense that it's not right. It's, there's a sense that this world isn't our home. Um, and everyone kind of experiences this existential like, crisis that, um, that this world isn't our home, that there has to be something more. So that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about hell. And we're talking about why it matters. Um, so buckle up because we've got like 15 minutes. All right. So we are going to be, um, we're going to be reading right now. Um, and we're, we're going to be hearing from Isaiah. Um, and we are in chapter 6. Um, and then I want to read this to you. So most of you guys don't have your Bible, so let me just read this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, This has touched your lips. Your guilt has been taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who shall go forth? For us, And I said, here I am, send me. So we're going to kind of unpack what that even means about heaven. You might have heard that and been like, I didn't hear him say heaven. Um, so the first thing that we note about heaven is that heaven is the dwelling place of God. This started out with, in the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of the robe filled the temple. Heaven is the dwelling place of God. Um, when you think of heaven, what do you guys think of? What do you imagine? Just throw out words. Gold, light, angels, hearts, clouds, laughter. Stairs made out of clouds. Don't trust them. Um, here's the deal. A lot of you, when you think about when you think about heaven, you might think about joy. You might think about peace. You might think about um, you might think about adventure. You might think about um, I don't know, just just tons of ice cream. Some people want that to be what heaven's like. You might think about heaven being a place where there is like love, joy, peace. Here's the deal: heaven is what heaven is because of God. Heaven's attributes are because of God's attributes. Okay, so like let me let me put this in, into something that that we can talk about. Um, your room is your room, and when you go into your room, there's probably posters and there's like this really nice bedspread. Anyone have something cool on their bedspread? Like they got the cars like thing going on or Finding Nemo. What do you got? What? He has a wolf. Sean has a wolf. Huh? That's funny, Sean Wolf. So your room, without you putting your mark on it, it's just four walls. Heaven is what heaven is because God is who God is. He heaven is only peace and adventure and joy and fullness and happiness because that's who God is. 
Heaven is the dwelling place of God, and heaven is what heaven is because God is who God is. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so heaven is God's dwelling place. So the Bible talks about how there's no more tears, there's no more pain, there's gardens, there's golden streets. Let me just tell you this. Whenever you read the Bible, track with me. Whenever you read the Bible and you hear it talking about heaven, most of the time it's people like us who've had crazy cool experiences with God who are trying to grasp and describe something that our minds can't comprehend. Okay? So like, I don't know, if you were to, to meet an alien from outer space, and I don't know, they might just be like green sludge that has consciousness, and they, they're like, what's your favorite food? Like, how would you begin to tell them that In-N-Out Burger is your favorite food? Like, they don't even know, like, what carbon is, right? I mean, so what, what I'm trying to say is, there are these moments, you, you can kind of, you, you see what I'm saying, doing there? Yes, it, it's hard to explain when we're thinking about heaven. These things are crazy, and so when you hear metaphors in heaven, or when you hear things about heaven, just know that, that it's probably just trying to, trying to shake us and trying to help us understand something that really we can't understand. Cool. Um, so heaven is what heaven is, because God is who God is. Um, James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Anything that is good is good because it's sustained by God. Um, and so heaven is good because God is good. Two, heaven is a physical place where we have physical bodies and where heaven and earth are one. I'm going to talk about that last part in a second. Um, heaven is a physical place. Who grew up thinking that in heaven you're just going to float on clouds and you're going to be like these like ethereal harp players where you sing all the time? Even if you like singing, I love singing. It sounds really boring, right? To be in heaven, singing all the time. Um, a lot of us grew up with this idea that heaven is just like this cloud city. Um, and let me just tell you, a lot of that, um, a lot of it comes from like, um, I'm not going to tell you all the sources, but basically that's like, um, like romanticist, like, um, that, that, that none of that's from the Bible. That's from different eras where people were trying to depict heaven. None of that's going to be in scripture. So heaven is not just this cloudy float place. Like heaven is real. In, in the Bible it talks about how um, there's like, um, there's mansions, there's rooms. Jesus says that he's going to prepare a place for us. It's, it's very physical. When Jesus rises from the dead, he has a physical body. He tells Thomas, hey, touch me, touch me, Thomas. Like, put your, like, hand in, in, in my, like, scar, like, feel me. And then Jesus goes and eats a fish. Can't eat a fish if you're, like, this ghostly thing that just, you, you know, would just fall out. You've seen Casper. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and so sometimes we think about that. We think about we're just going to be floating around. We're just going to be actually, when there's this uh, theologian, C.S. Lewis, he says that heaven actually, it's more real than anything that we experience now. It's actually, it, it, it's, it's more like you were to walk and the ground feels more real. And you were to eat something and then like you have like a thousand taste buds where originally you only had a hundred. Like heaven is more real than what we experience now. And you will have physical bodies. So Jesus rose from the dead and he had, a, he had a physical resurrected body. When Jesus comes again and everyone who is dead is resurrected, you will have a resurrected body. So just walk through walls. So you could be a superhero in the future, which would be kind of cool. Um, cool. So... Heaven is a physical place. We'll have physical bodies. There is a day where God will come and he will judge. And, and in that day, if you're, if, you, if you're following Jesus, if you've said yes to Jesus, that's when God says, okay, awesome. Come be a part of my party. Come be a part of, of this. Um, but here's the deal. And I'm just going to mention this because I feel like 
Will and I have talked about this a lot. Um, there is a period of time where, what, like, what if you've had grandparents who passed away, or there might be people in your life who have died? Jesus has not returned yet, right? He has not resurrected people yet, unless it's happening right now. Um, so what happens if you die before Jesus returns? And so just so you know, that this is, this is something that theologians talk about a lot. Um, sometimes people say that maybe you go to sleep, and then later you wake up, and you're like, oh, now it's the end of the world. Um, or um, some people, this is where Catholics would talk about purgatory, um, that there would be this intermediate phase. Um, we don't really know exactly, but here's what Paul says. He says that when you die, to be out of this body is to be with the Lord. To be out of this body is to be with the Lord. And then Jesus, when he's hanging on the cross, he tells the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. So regardless of what exactly happens right after you die, in the second, also time is weird for God. Like you might die and then like it's a second later, but it's been a thousand years and now you have a resurrected body. Um, but what we know is to be, to be dead, is, if you're in Christ, to be dead is to be with the Lord. But there's also a day where he will give you a resurrected body. So we can, if, you're, if that just was weird and went over your head, I want to tell you about these things um, so we can talk about them, um, not so we can just uh, avoid them. Because I feel like there's actually a lot of growth that's on the other side of, of being deep about these things. Um, so there is a day where you'll be given resurrected bodies. And we don't go to heaven. Actually, the Bible talks about how heaven comes down to earth. Heaven comes down to earth. And there's a new heaven and a new earth. This is, like, this is why like, we should care for our environment. This is why we should care um, for, like, for the world. This is why like, when God was in, in the garden with Adam and Eve, he said that we should steward creation because God cares about physical stuff. It's actually these people called the Gnostics that later said that we um, don't care about physical things and they weren't Christians and they were heretics. And, um, Jesus loves physical things. He made the garden, he made creation, and it was physical. So heaven will also be a physical place. Um, cool. Three, only objects that are holy can stand before God. This is what we know about heaven. Only objects that are holy can stand before God. And so in this uh, part of um, this passage right here, it says that the angels um, were covering their feet, they were covering their hands um, because, because God was so holy. So angels are holy, they're, 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 they're like sinless, right? Um, but they're like, oh, shoot, there's like another level of holy. That's why they get holy, holy, holy in Hebrew. Um, they don't have really, very good adjectives, so they don't say really holy. They say like holy, holy, holy. So they wouldn't say that's a really deep hole. They would say that's a deep, deep hole. That's just how they describe things. So whenever you hear things that are repeated, it's more like holy to the third power. Um, so God is super holy. Um, here's the thing. God is holy. We're not. It's like oil and water, and they can't mix. And so here's the thing. You will hear this question. How can God allow anyone to go to hell? Let me just say this. Have you, have you ever asked that, how could God allow anyone to go to hell? And that could be an okay question, but first we need to ask, how could God allow anyone to go to heaven? Because we don't deserve to go to heaven. He's holy. He's awesome. We're broken. We're not. And the only way that we get to be a part of that is if we're made holy. And how are we made holy? And there's this metaphor in the passage that we can't go into, but basically there's this coal that's taken from where they would sacrifice and where they would offer offerings to, to God, and the coal gets placed on Isaiah's lips, and it's this idea of grace. And so Christianity isn't about getting really good and being really great. It's about getting grace. Grace is the key that opens the door to heaven. Grace is the key that opens the door to heaven. And if you don't have that key, you can't get in. Because um, grace, um, grace allows us to be holy. Um, okay, cool. Second part of the sermon, what is hell? What is hell? So if heaven is the place where God is, if heaven is the place of God's presence, 
then hell is the absence of God. It's the absence of his presence. Um, there are some things that can only be defined by their opposites. Um, like cold is the absence of heat. Like darkness is the absence of light and energy. Um, hell is the absence of God and his presence. So sometimes people are like, well, it's okay, I'll go to hell and I'll just have all my friends there and we'll play pool together. <laughs> Dude, community and play, God invented them. And if God withdraws his presence, there is no fun in community and play. Anything that is good, this is why it's interesting, even like some people when they think about hell, it's actually like it's like verging on non, not existing because even to exist is good. And so some theologians talk about how like we're like ashy in hell and we're like fading away and our existence is fading away. Um, so, so hell is this place where there is no good, there is no joy, there is none of these things. Um, because we can't have peace and hope and joy apart from God because they don't exist because they come from God. Are we tracking? Cool. No one said yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Two. Okay, we got two more. Hell is the curse of getting our own way. So if we spend our whole life saying, nah, I'm not really into that Jesus thing. Nah, I don't really want to hang out with God. Nah, I don't really want to follow him. Hell is God just saying, okay, you, you didn't want that. So I'm just going to give you what you want. Like, you didn't want to follow me. You didn't want to be a part of what I was doing. So hell is God saying, okay, you can have what you want. Hell is God being a gentleman. Hell is God saying, you get your own way. There's this quote that says there's, um, there's two people at the end. Um, there's one person who says to God, your will be done, God. Your will be done in my life, whatever you want. There's another person where God says to them, your will be done, what you wanted. And what you wanted was not to be a part of me. And so if you didn't want that, then you're going to have that for eternity. And that's love for God to say, you can have what you want. Uh, and this is the, the third and final point under hell, is that early Christians thought that hell was good news. Early Christians, which we don't understand this because we've had a lot of religious freedom here, they were burned at the stake, they were thrown to lions, they were murdered. Early Christians loved this idea of hell because there was a day where evil would be punished. Actually, I was reading, uh, I was listening to this podcast this week, and it was talking about um, the African-American slave trade and the crazy atrocities that slaves went through in America. And it said um, that one of the only ways that these slaves went through it and they were resilient in the face of atrocities and these slave masters that dehumanized them and the system that dehumanized them, the only way that they stuck it out is because they would sing these spiritual songs of hope and of a future. And they would sing about eternity. And they would sing, and, and, and they had this idea that one day evil would be punished. One day, the, 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 the slave drivers and the, those people who have done this, one day they will all stand before God, and they will have to speak on behalf of the deeds they have done. Like, we love that, don't we? We love when murderers are, are like, caught we love it when we find someone, we, we love it when, when someone who's been experiencing or who's been causing sex trafficking, we love it when we find that person and they experience justice. We love that. Hell is the idea that there's a place where that will ultimately happen, where evil is punished. The thing is, there's evil in all of our hearts. And we all deserve that. But Jesus gives us grace. He gives us the key that unlocks what he has prepared for us. Um, sometimes, actually, if we try to erase hell and not think about hell, it actually makes God less loving. 
because there's no place for evil. There's no place for that to go. Um, so we talked about heaven. We talked about hell. Why does this matter? And I'm not answering that for you. We're going to talk about that together. Why does this matter in your life? What you think about the future should impact how you live now. If you think there's nothing coming for you, that's going to impact how you live now. If you think that heaven is just like this place that is far away and like, it's just like we float on clouds, that's going to affect how you live now. If you think that God wants you to start bringing heaven into here and like we can start to invite God and his purposes and his kingdom here, that's going to change how you live now. What we think about, I mean, if we think that, that, that hell is a reality, that's going to change even how we share our faith with others. What we think about the future impacts how we live now. Um, so we're going to talk about in our small groups why that matters, because um, it does. For Jesus, it does. Um, so let's pray. Um, Jesus, thank you for this time where we're able to talk about a lot of stuff that I feel like um, maybe we haven't thought of uh, or we haven't thought of deeply. And so I pray for these conversations tonight. Um, I pray that we would be open to um, kind of hearing um, from other people in our small group and that for a lot of us who have felt like um, we have these fears or confusion that we haven't really been able to share, that this could be a space tonight where we're able to talk about those things um, and grow together. Um, and Jesus, thank you that um, if we put our trust in you, that we will never experience um, separation from you, um, that we might experience the shadow of death, but we'll never experience the reality of death because we will be alive in you. So we thank you for that, Jesus. Amen.